0: Live bike racing is back. Flow Bikes is your home for live and on-demand coverage of the biggest events of the year, including the Giro d'Italia, the Tour of Flanders, tirreno adriatico and much, much more.
1: Subscribe today by going to flowbikes.com slash velonews. Additionally, Canadian viewers get access to the Tour de France, Vuelta a España, Criterium du Dauphiné, and the World Championships.
0: Subscribe today by going to flowbikes.com slash velonews.
1: That's F-L-O-B-I-K-E-S dot com forward slash velonews.
0: And when you purchase a Flow bike subscription, you'll get access to the entire Flow Sports network of over 25 different sports. Don't miss out. Sign up at flowbikes.com slash velonews. That's F-L-O-B-I-K-E-S dot com forward slash News. Hello and welcome to another episode of Put Your Socks On. My name is Angus Morton, and as always, I am joined by Bobby J. Bobby, it's been a couple of weeks. How you doing, mate?
1: I'm doing great, Gus. I have to say, I missed you. Uh, old VDV and I held down the fort, so. You know, all's good, but definitely missed the the Gus hot sauce that you normally pepper on the on the podcast. But uh, yeah, how was your trip? How'd that go,
0: mate? It was uh, it was good. We were shooting a shooting a, a a doc film in the back country, so I was off the grid. Haven't had much sleep uh, for the last two two or so weeks, um, but it's good to be back in a little bit of normality, mate. I'm doing really well. Yeah, how about you?
1: I had a pretty good week, had a little issue yesterday, right towards the end of my, my gravel ride, a dog that's notoriously in that area kind of ran out and I was just not really thinking about it because we came in from a different direction. Yeah. You know, tried to avoid the dog wound up getting spun around and hitting the back of my head really, really hard. And all I can say is, you know, back in the day, I would have jumped up, gotten on my bike, you know, and, and gone. But, you know, at my age, I have to say I sat there a little bit longer, uh, just doing that mental inventory of, of my situation. Okay. I can move my collarbone. Okay. I can move my hands and my arms. And you're just waiting for that surge of pain to come over. And when it didn't happen, I said, okay, maybe I'm okay, but I did have a large, I felt a large impact right on the back of my head. And thank goodness for helmets. I mean, I, I, I really. Felt so blessed to, to be able to walk away from a minor accident that could have been major uh, just by putting on a helmet. And the helmets are made so well now. Um, you know, they take the impact, they absorb the impact, they break. So my point here is, uh, people, if you do crash on, you know, helmets aren't cheap, but if you do crash, there's probably some some minor cracks in there that will affect the ability for that helmet to disperse the energy the next time. So if you do crash, you know, go and buy a new helmet because you want to have that sort of protection that I had yesterday. And just for all the listeners, uh, because I get this a lot from my kids after they heard that I crashed, the dog is fine. The dog is fine <laughs> and I'm good, fine. Good. But uh, mo- more importantly, the dog is fine.
0: Well, that's good. It's good to... uh Good to know that you're safe and well, and as the dog is as well. Bobby, big week in racing this week. A lot went down. A weird week. Uh, just crazy.
1: Yeah, let, let's start. You know, we know the Dauphiné is over. We know the results. Um, we know what happened. But what a crazy race it was indeed. I mean, the race starts out, and it looks like the script is written in stone that Jumbo Visma is just going to dominate from start to finish. And every day, it, you know, Vo- Walt Aert, who just came off of winning the uh, Strada Bianchi and Milan Sanremo, steps in and, and wins the first stage of the Dauphiné. You know, the team looked amazing. Uh, Ineos looked on the back foot. But I just don't know where the script got flipped. Every day something was happening. Uh, stage two, Ineos tried to take control away from, from Jumbo Visma. And it looked like we were watching Ineos and Team Sky of the years prior. And then they all blew up and, and Bernal's there by himself and Primos Rolich easily wins the stage. You know, stage three, there was some nasty crashes out there. Bernal looked human and actually mm. really tired. Um, and perhaps the workload that these guys kind of got thrown into so quickly, you know, when you're training, you can control that fatigue. But when you're going from race to race to race without that big base um, of racing and, and solid training and working under fatigue, you know, thing, things can happen, you know, pretty, pretty quickly. Um, David Formolo won that stage ahead of Primos and it looked like, okay, here's, Here's uh, Jumbo Bodismo back in the driver's seat. But they did have some issues that day. They lost Steven Kreisweich, and then Emmanuel Boekman also went out. And then the next day, Bernal decided not to take the start. So, like, the guy that's, you know, last year won the Tour to Swiss, you know, Garrett Thomas, when he won the Tour, he won the Dauphiné and then went on to win the Tour. Dauphiné is normally answers a lot of questions, put it mm-hmm. that way. But when Bernal was a non-starter, I really have to wonder what effect did that have in the Ineos bus? Because you got three guys that have won the Tour de France. Two guys are not riding well and suffering a little bit. And then your guy that you're supposed to be working for in the Tour in a couple of weeks stops. Man, that's not a good sign at all. And even the other GC contenders in the race, you know, Primos Wilmich, for example, he did wind up crashing and ultimately abandoning but when he saw that Bernal didn't take the start, he was pr- probably started to think, "Wait a second, should I, should I stop and rest up? You know, if if, if he's yeah. gonna rest, maybe I should rest." So you you got to wonder about the mentality of of what was going on there. Um, and then stage five, it was just any every man for himself. You know, you had you had basically all the big favorites out of the race already. Um, they let a, a breakaway go up the road. I thought that uh, Thibaut Pinot was going to come away with the win, but Danny Martinez, um, you know, outfoxed the foxes there and came away with with the overall win. But the best thing about the race for me, um, outside of all the drama and how exciting the Tour de France is going to be, was watching Sep Kous ride his bicycle. Agreed. I mean, unbelievable um, style, power um obviously he was in a couple different roles you know he he was he was a a a worker at the start for primos he set him up absolutely armchair ride to stage two victory and then you know the boat got rocked a little bit they lost a couple guys and this sport is all about taking advantage of situations that come your way you know yes he was tired he was on the front working for for you know, the three leaders that he had, then, then he gets into a breakaway and, you know, tries to do that. And then here he just rides away from the breakaway and wins the stage of the Dauphiné. And, and also I think Claude, uh, got him all the way up to top 10 in GC, but seeing an American rider with that many abilities to work, to to be a great worker. And then on the drop of a hat, be able to switch gears and go from being a worker into being a winner. And you don't see that very often because a lot of the times the workers they just do their job, but they they lack that that aggressiveness or that tactical sense to really make it count. A lot of those guys are strong enough to win races, but in their in their head something there's a bit of a disconnect with Seth, man, this kid is going to be so exciting to watch in the future. Um, he's just a massive star in the making.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. Watching him, as you said, his tactical ability. Really impressed me. I was watching that, that stage five again, just the way he handled essentially getting across to that front group. He measured himself. He arrived right at the foot of the climb and the rest is history. So going to be really exciting Tour de France, I think. There is a lot of unknowns. The shadow boxing, is it shadow boxing? We'll see. Anyway, it's yeah. uh, it's great to see that coming up. We did have a few other races as well. Uh, the Grand Piemonte, which was won by uh, New Zealander George Bennett, which was great to see. But there was a fantastic ride by young American rider, Sean Quinn, um, who's actually a stagiaire, I believe.
1: Yeah. He's uh, another young guy stagiairing for Bitcoin at Quick-Step and he finished 26 right behind Joey Roscoff from CCC just a minute behind the winner. So not, not a bad result at all for a rider in training, which is what stagiaire kind of, kind of translates loosely over to. But then that was, you know, so we had the Dauphiné in France and then we had these races. Grand Prix Monte, and then the big one, which Lombardia is probably one of the coolest classics that was somewhat in my wheelhouse as a rider. Like I was never going to win Flanders or win Paris-Roubaix, but like Lombardia uh, was just one of those like GC favorite kind of end of the season, who has any gas left in the tank. And it's normally in October and here it was basically a week after Milan-San Remo. So great win by Jakob song. Uh, he is just getting better and better with age. He's 35 years old and, you know, winning another, uh, monument because he won Liège last year was phenomenal. But let's be honest. Um, the biggest news of Lombardia was that terrible crash from, you know, the future of the sport, the patron of the Peloton, Remco, Evenepoel. I don't know what happened. I mean, I watched it multiple times. These guys go down. They have earpieces in their ears they do recon of the finale. And this was notoriously one of the most dangerous descents. And I don't know if he had a problem with his bike or his shifting or something happened because he just came into that turn a little bit back off the group. And next thing you know, you just see his bike there leaning up against the guardrail. And who knows where he went. Luckily, I did hear that he fractured his pelvis and perforated a lung. But let's be honest. When you see a crash like that, you're just happy that the guy is alive. You know, no bike race is worth this. And I know it's easy for me to say because I, I was taking the same risks back then, but man, oh man, you know, pick a better time, uh, you know, to may, maybe make a, de- a more of a daredevil descent, but something, something happened there. Again, just another terrible, horrific crash in the sport of cycling. Like, you know, our season just got started and we all had two, if not more, of these very, very dangerous situations, which isn't just a little bit of, you know, broken helmet, ripped jersey, but we're talking like life and death. And um, I hope things calm down a little bit. And, you know, there was a protest from some riders that has definitely kicked up about safety and races. But I, I I don't know. I think the riders have to police themselves a little bit as well. You know, everybody's fresh, everybody's motivated, everybody wants a contract but you have to respect each and every single person that you're riding next to. And I know that these guys are having to make these decisions on the fly, glycogen depleted, tired, under stress. But man, I just hope that the the whole entire peloton pumps the brakes a little bit here because we want to watch a great Tour de France. But now we're going to have a lot, you know, quite a few less contenders in the Tour de France because of of crashes happening in in these races. So I hope guys pump the brakes a little bit and and think about you know arrive alive is the the biggest the biggest term
2: there.
0: We'll see we'll see what happens, but hopefully, as you just said, people can kind of cool the jets. The Tour de Walloni, the sprinters, they haven't really had much of a uh, a say in this truncated season, but uh, it seems as though they've had a a, a couple of chances.
1: Yeah, uh, they definitely didn't have a chance at all in the in the Dauphiné. So, uh, luckily, some of these guys are are honing in their skills at Wallonie, which is obviously going to be a little bit more to their liking. First stage was won by Caleb Ewan, and then today we had Arnold Demar win. Uh Caleb was second, so he still keeps the jersey. But, yeah, these guys need a little love, too. Like, all these races are getting harder and harder, and the Dauphiné was every finish was uphill. you gotta got to throw the sprinters a bone every now and then as well. You know, hopefully <laughs> – you don't want to go to the Tour de France and suffer um for two stages or three stages that are going to end up in a sprint you know not everybody can you know get up the climbs you know in the same way and then there's only one guy that wins the green jersey and that always seems to be a lot of the motivation for those guys in the third week of the tour the sprinters to suffer that entire last week is just that they have a chance of taking home the green jersey so yeah you know the sprinters are gonna you know the sprinters are on it it's their time to shine in a race like Tour of Wal-Uni, and it's a few more stages long and uh, let's just hope that you know, those finishes are nice and clean the way that the first two have been.
0: And that brings us to this week's guest of the show, Canadian property tycoon and very strong cycling enthusiast, Sylvan Adams. He's been plugging away behind the scenes within the sport of cycling for quite a few years now. He was a a key orchestrator of the 2018 Depart, yeah, the Giro Grand Depart in Israel, Uh, and then he's played a key role in founding Israel's first world tour cycling team, Israel Startup Nation. With the lofty goals for the team being no secret and the huge uh, headlining signatures uh, that they've just acquired for the 2021 season, we wanted to you know, get a bit of an insight into the strategy behind those signings, the team, uh, and what their goals are. With, uh, and so we sat down with uh, Sylvan Adams. G'day, uh, Sylvan. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much uh, for spending some time with us.
2: My pleasure. Nice to meet Nice to meet you, uh, Gus, and to meet uh, the great Bobby Julik. Uh,
0: firstly, condolences uh, for the passing of your father. Um, last week, I just wanted to to uh, yeah send send those and uh,
2: hope everyone's doing all right. Yeah, thank you. Look, it's a bittersweet time. Uh, we had just celebrated my father's one hundredth birth- birthday, and he drew us because I live in Israel. He drew us to Montreal for his hundredth, and uh, where where he enjoyed where he gulped down champagne and um, and heartily enjoyed his birthday cake. And literally, he decided to say goodbye uh, just, just a few days later. So it's a bit of a bittersweet moment. It was beautiful how it ended. He was never sick a day in his life. Uh, and he simply, he simply reached his expiry date. And of course, the bitterness is uh, it's forever. So, uh, but thank you for your condolences.
0: Tell us a little bit about your background.
2: Uh, I, was, I had a very busy early business career, also raising four children. And I was too busy. I, I'd always done sports as a, as a youngster, done team sports, you know, football and basketball and hockey and, and the like. I kind of gave up sports in, uh, altogether while I was busy with my early career. And at some point, I. I'd always ridden a bike for transportation, believe it or not in university. I'd just ridden my bike all around and uh, that, I, I, didn't, I didn't have my first car until I think I was 25 years old. So I, I used the bike for transportation and I, I, lo- I love the bike. And, and, and uh, some guys in my neighborhood were riding with these fancy, fancy road bikes and one of them took me to a bike store and uh, I got fully outfitted. I bought, I bought a bike You know, high-end road bike, shoes, pump, helmet, glasses, gloves, uh, bib, shorts, jersey—you name it. uh, Water bottles, uh, uh, computer. He sold the whole thing to me for one thousand five hundred dollars Canadian, and uh, and so that was the beginning. And I I I I rode on. um, I rode in the neighborhood, and I was I was quite good. I was quite good, and I used to sit at the front and. The whole ride for an hour. I would. I wouldn't get off the front, and I would. I would drag my friends uh, around uh, the, the local rides here. And then I got introduced to Paulo Saldana, who's a very special individual, who is today our um, the sports performance director of our team, and he handles all of the power files of our riders. And uh, so I brought him in. He he, he became my guru. So I, I was introduced to him, and he asked me. You know, he he was running a small indoor. Um, training facility and i grew up in montreal uh where we have winter 11 and a half months of the year uh I, I'm, I'm 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 joking i'm exaggerating but uh, you get the impression the winter is winter is too long and there's no bike riding at all uh, of course uh, during the winter so he has this indoor he's starting this indoor training business and by the way he was um He was Canada's best triathlete, the first Canadian to go under, I think it's under nine hours at Hawaii. So, um, and so he was Canada's elite uh, triathlete, uh, Ironman triathlete. And uh, he started, and he's he's an exercise physiologist. He has a a master's in exercise physiology. And he started this indoor uh, training center. He, He had a clipboard and he's asking me questions. He says, so what are your goals in cycling? And I say, hmm. I guess I just want to be able to ride with the guys. <laughs> I didn't know more than that. So I go, I start training with him. And uh, eventually he tells me, you know, Sylvan, you're pretty good. And I, and I, I, I clearly had some sort of ability in, in, in cycling. And he says, See, have you ever thought of racing? And I said, um, I said well, what racing? There's racing. And, uh, and I'm, I'm kind of competitive. So um, I went out. Uh, to the local, I went to watch the local Wednesday night crit, masters crit, and um, I thought these guys were professionals. I mean, I, I couldn't believe the speed and and, and all of it. And uh, the guy who had, the guy who owned the bike shop who had sold me my bike, and they had po- he was from Belgium, and he had posters of him and his brothers and everything. Uh, and I thought they were I thought they were professionals. And of course, he's in the race, and I think this is amazing. Uh, so the following week, I went. And I bought myself a one-day racing license. It was the last race of the year. And I jumped into this crit. And I wasn't very good. But I was able to hang at the back and finish the race with the pack. And I have to say, I had a moment of absolute elation. And the next year, I got myself a racing license. So fast forward, I'm six-time Canadian national uh, master's champion. Uh, I've won two uh, world masters titles and of course since moving to israel i've won i've won the israeli championship a couple of times so from all of this i be you know this became my main uh, my main i guess hobby sporting sporting passion and if i hadn't been so i came to the sport as a participant if i hadn't been a participant i never would have dreamt about owning a team or or any of this stuff because i, I you know i didn't As I said, I wasn't even a cycling fan. I never really watched bike races. I'd never even watched the tour. And uh, and so I came to the sport as a participant and just met various people and had this opportunity. I was involved. um, I don't know if you remember, there was a Canadian uh, team led by Steve Bauer called SpiderTech, Pro Conti team. So um, Steve had recruited me to join and I I was one of the the backers of SpiderTech. Which uh, unfortunately met a, an early demise, an earlier demise than than we had hoped. And so, when I moved to Israel, I had an opportunity. I met um, I met the owner owners of the of the team who had who had founded the team a year earlier, uh, the Israel Cycling Academy, which was a continental team. And so, one thing kind of led to another. I was I I, I, I was introduced to Mauro Veni of um, of uh, the Giro of you know um, RCS, uh, the, the the company that owns that owns the Giro. And uh, I, we, we had a dinner together at the Giro in twenty. I'm going to say 2016. And he um, and I said to him, um, "What do you think about having the, the Grande Partenza in Israel?" And I, I, he thought I was joking, um, so he laughed. And I said, "Listen, how about this?" And after after the Giro was over, I sponsored a his his travel to Israel. I said. Come and have a look at the country, you you know, you'll see for yourself because he he really did think I was joking. So he came over and he saw what all first time visitors to Israel see, which is it's a beautiful country. Uh, It's an open, tolerant, diverse, free, democratic, and mostly most importantly for him uh, and for many others, safe country. So people don't realize it, you know, because of the news cycle. Um, and, uh, and he also saw that we have a cycling culture. He saw people riding bikes and he, you know, he saw our terrain and, uh, and he really, he, the, the idea wasn't so silly, uh, after, after he visited and we, we went into, um, we went into some, uh, into some discussions and it took me, uh, a year to negotiate with them to get all of the logistics, well, to, to negotiate the fee, uh, which was, you know, substantial and too high, frankly. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 uh, of course, all of the logistics and to demonstrate that we were capable of handling the logistics. And uh, yeah, we hosted the Giro in, in, in 2018. And in order to host the Giro, as I, I wanted my team to be in the Giro and to be eligible. Uh, we had to rise to the Pro Conti rank. So that was my, my first big financial investment in the team was to get us to, to the Pro Conti ranks, and eventually we received an invitation to our uh, to the Giro that was starting on home soil, and uh, we've taken it from there. So that's that's really a little bit the arc of my uh, of my involvement in uh, in the sport.
1: And and what an arc it is! I mean, getting the Giro to start outside and outside of Italy, uh, in your home country, is is nothing short of a, a miracle. I mean, it's pretty impressive all the logistics that go into something like that. But the real thing, I think, on everyone's lips is, wasn't that Jiro where you met Chris Froome for the first time and, and converse?
2: <laughs> Indeed. So uh, my title at the, at the Giro was um, honorary president. Um, so I was really, it was really my, my party, if you will. And um, so I made the point to go and introduce myself to the great Chris Froome. And uh, I said, hello, I'm Sylvan Adams. He says, oh, I know who you are, uh, which was nice. I, I, you know, I, 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 the athletes sometimes live in their own sort of bubble and they don't really know what's going on outside. So he was very polite and I introduced myself and asked him how, how he's liking it. Because you know, they came a few days early and they were, I, he said, no, the country's beautiful and we've, we've, had some, we've, we've had a really nice time here. And then I kept bumping into Chris during the, during the Giro, during the, the, the big start of the Giro. And we just, we just chatted, and uh, it, was just, it was just very pleasant. Uh, um, yeah, of course, I met, I met a number of the riders, uh, Viviani, who won two stages in Israel, and um, uh, Rowan Dennis, who, who won the time trial. Or was it Tom Dumoulin? It was Tom Dumoulin, sorry, who, who beat him right at the end. So I met both of them. So, so um, yeah, I, I met Chris. Uh, I met Chris, and it, it was a very pleasant encounter.
1: And you already have a very solid roster, but recently that was the big news, signing signing Chris. But you've also signed Daryl Impey, Patrick Bevin, Carl Fedrick, Hagen as well. Um, what is your strategy in building a team? Because this looks like the genesis of of another super team, but that doesn't happen by signing just a couple riders. What, what is your strategy here and investing in, in in a guy like Chris, which you don't have to sell Chris Froome to me. And maybe I should actually apologize to Chris Froome right now, because since the day that I've coached him, I've mispronounced his last name. I've always called him Froomey. So like, <laughs> um, when people say, hey, hey you know this guy for so long, but you keep pronouncing his name, and I'm like, I'm sorry, it's just ingrained in my head, me, fro me, not me So um, I apologize for that. But I that's, mean, he's
2: that's he's, the that's the Belgian pronunciation.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll, yes, I'll, I'll say that the next time. But if I had a nickel for if I had a nickel for every time somebody mispronounced my name, I'd be I'd be a wealthy man. But anyway, I mean, you know, Chris is going to take your team to a new level, and I think. Having someone like that just brings everybody up. But there has to be some structure. There has to be a strategy. And that's that's what I'm interested in hearing from you.
2: We got our license to reach the world tour, to, to, to participate in the world tour, only very, very late, uh, in, late in the season uh, last year. And it was because the negotiations dragged on and um, with, with Katusha. And I guess, you know, we, we were probably their plan B. I think the plan A was to find additional sponsors and continue as Katusha. And when they finally realized that they that this wasn't going to work out because we'd been talking the whole year, uh, they you know we got into the end game and finished the negotiation. but um, they signed the contract with us on September 30th and the following day October 1st was the deadline to submit one's application uh, for a license. Uh, to the UCI so literally the next day their license would have expired and so they only agreed to, um, to sell the license and by the way we bought the license for $1 uh, so it wasn't some you know world tour licenses aren't actually worth anything because teams teams are st- struggle to to um, support themselves financially and uh, I mean it's just it's a it's a tough sport it's a tough uh, it's a tough model when you don't sell seats and you don't own the TV rights uh, and you basically have um, sponsorship revenue, which would be a miscellaneous c- revenue category for uh, for the New York Yankees or, 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 or for uh, Manchester United. So, And this is what we live on. So um, so we were only a, a Pro Conti roster uh, because we, we, we didn't know we were going to the World Tour. Now, we had signed Dan Martin, and uh, so we were a good Pro Conti team. And our intention was to try to – win the, the pro Conti series but uh, we were able to conclude the the deal to uh, to acquire the Katusha license as I said very very late so our roster this year is really a pro Conti we're, we're, we have a pro Conti budget and a pro Conti roster this year so thank you for thank you for uh, acknowledging that we were we're pretty good we're okay but we realized uh, in order to have an impact um, that we'd need to we'd need to acquire some additional talent. The opportunity to sign Chris came up when he decided that maybe uh, the INEOS uh, structure of multiple leaders wasn't wasn't how he wanted to, to race. Um, so the opportunity came up, and he, he you know we, we, we had conversations with Chris, and he was quickly very comfortable with with us. We're, you know uh, instead of being sort of a corporate structure, uh, we're really a family. And, um, and I'm, you know, I myself, you know, conducted the conversations with Chris. Uh, So that's kind of different. I don't, I don't think that's the case in in where, where the owner, the sponsor, the main financial contributor, I don't like to call myself a sponsor, but uh, the main financial contributor and owner of the team, you know, uh, is is hands on uh, in terms of uh, of the of the structure of the team and and, and and handling of the team. And then, of course, we realize if you're going to invest in Chris, uh, we've got to build around him. And uh, thank you for mentioning. Uh, I think Daryl Limpy. We uh, we have plans for him to be our road captain at the tour at next year's tour. And Hagen, great rider. You know, finished I think seventh in the in the Vuelta. So he's he, he's he's. And uh, you missed out, Michael Woods. Um, oh yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. Uh, so we got we got Mike Woods, who um, I, whom I've known uh, since before he came became a pro. Um, by the way, Paulo Paulo Saldana, the guy I mentioned earlier, who who introduced me to bike racing, uh, discovered Mike Woods and has been his coach all the way through and and taking him to this to this level. So, and you know, and I've known Mike, and I actually supported Mike at a time where he had to make a decision to leave his bank teller job (laughs) he literally was working in a bank and and try to make it as a as a pro cyclist so I I helped him financially way back when so it was only natural that he he would end up on our team I would have I would have loved to have seen him on our team earlier but again we were we were pro Conti and uh my advice to him was you know you worked so hard to get to the world tour you don't want to you don't want to come back to it to to race at a, a lower level with us and we can't guarantee you uh races and uh pro Conti's by the way Pro Conti is terrible. Just, just as an aside, um, you don't get proper uh, sponsorship support at Pro Conti. It's quite expensive to, to run a Pro Conti team and to have, you know, reasonable, reasonable riders. Um, and you don't get the, you don't get the uh, sponsorship support because you can't even promise them uh, races. And, you know, the way they've uh, uh, done the, the wildcard system. Now there's two wildcards for the tour and which is the biggest, the biggest thing, uh, the you know, for sponsors, and uh, those two wild cards are likely to go to French teams. Um, so, so it's 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 a it's a bad game, and that's why I was I was knocking at the door trying to find a a, a world tour license uh, and to move and to move up because I think it's it's the, it's the right place for us to be. And as I said, we're building a roster uh, to support Chris. Uh, clearly, we have Grand Tour ambitions. And not only ambitions, but you know, we we expect to be extremely competitive and to win grand tours, especially the tour. Uh, we're hoping that Chris will make history if he wins. You know, I don't think he's going to win his the tour this year. Um, you know, he's still coming back from injury, and I think he's missing a little bit. We've seen it in the, in uh, in the races at Tour de Lain and the um, and the Dauphiné that he's he's missing not much, but just a bit. Um, so I don't even know if they're going to name him to the to the tour team, uh, if Ineos is going to race him there. Um, I think they should, because he can certainly be a big help to, uh, to Egan Bernal's um, uh, hopes. Um, but I think he'll be back in top form, and, and, and you know, will be a, a real threat to win the tour and maybe win his fifth, and um, afterwards a record-breaking sixth, uh, and and make history, so... Um, yeah, we built a beautiful team around him, and I, I think we're going to be also. You know, um, certain, some of our riders will be very good also in in different uh, in different races. I think the Ardennes Classics, you know, and the Italian and the Italian Classics um, will be will be on our uh, radar. You know, Milan San Remo and Lombardia and, and these types of races. And so I think I think we're going to be an exciting team to watch next year.
1: And will Chris. Actually, have a role in the strategy, the decision making, the roster decisions, um, other than just being like that that star rider. Is he going to kind of take uh, a half management role there as well?
2: I wouldn't call it a management role, uh, but I would I would say that um, you know we had these discussions with Chris. He he wanted he wanted to do that at, uh, a little bit at, at Ineos. And their structure just doesn't permit it. It's really more of a top down type of situation. But, you know, uh, for me, why wouldn't I want a four time tour winner to be involved in creating uh, comfortable conditions for him uh, to, to, to go after uh, to go after the tour uh, uh, victory? Um, so for sure, we, you know, he's going to, he's, his input will be welcome. He will be integral in which racers, uh, we, we assign to the tour team that we name to the tour team and in our overall racing strategy. I think, uh, I think why, why wouldn't we do that again? This is not a criticism of Ineos. You can't criticize uh, a team that has won seven of the last eight, uh, tours. Uh, they're doing something right. So, but we, we operate on a different basis and we encourage a lot of, um, collaboration and input from our riders. And certainly Chris being the experienced winning athlete that he is, uh, he'll have a, a very large role to play in, in terms of team strategy.
0: I'm interested, you, you said before you had like um, cycling, the uh, sport that can't sell seats. So there's like a, you know, kind of a fundamental problem there when it doesn't own TV rights. So there's a fundamental problem there with generating a return for teams and sponsorship. You know, you highlighted the issues with the pro Conti level and, and that sort of stuff. I'm knowing those things. Um, why choose the sport of cycling, and and why kind of steamroll through to to the top of that sport? What what's the motivation there, and what's the what's the goal?
2: So we, I have two goals, two goals which are, I guess, two sides of of, of a of a coin. So the first goal is to develop cycling in 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 israel so cycling is a is is the fastest is now the fastest growing sport in the country having brought the giro d'italia it it, it just brought the sport to a whole other level of visibility uh i'll tell you uh, amusingly uh maybe a week before the giro arrives in in israel maybe 98 or 99 percent population had not even heard of the giro d'italia you know everybody knows about the tour de france but it no, but they weren't cycling fans and and uh, you know, it was a relatively minor sport. And just to show you the enthusiasm of Israelis there, there is no more enthusiastic uh, people in the entire world. During those three days of the big start, we had 1 million, that's more than, that's twelve, eleven 11% of the population, 1 million fans come into the streets and watch this race and cheer on the home team, my Israel Cycling Academy at the time, and I was never more proud uh, to be an Israeli, uh, and you know, and see see, see the see the people embrace uh, this beautiful event because they knew we were on we were we were on the world stage, and Israelis just want to be loved, and uh, so it was a beautiful thing to watch. So that, of course, um, uh, stimulated a big growth in the interest in, in cycling and and for uh, kids and, and and their parents to come up with the idea to buy a bicycle I also built a velodrome by the way in Tel Aviv and uh, so we t- we have kids we have we, 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 we're recruiting in the schools and we have kids coming and you know riding around the track uh, so we've got road cycling we've got we've got um, uh, track cycling uh, mountain biking was already a very big activity in Israel so growing the sport in Israel and making it into uh, one of the major sports right now, it's, uh, it's soccer and basketball. Um, And we're terrible at soccer. Um, And so I, you know, I'm hoping, I'm hoping uh, firstly to provide a path for Israeli athletes. We also have the uh, the, uh, continental team, which is, which really acts as a a development feeder team to the, to the world tour team. So the continental team is called, is still called, israel cycling academy because it is more of an academy and the the world tour team is, is- the israel startup nation so we've got like a feeder system to take to to show kids that uh, who, are, who, who, who uh, excel in cycling that there's a path to reach the highest level of the sport and um you know i'm hoping that one day we ha- we now have four israelis on the world tour team uh i'd like i'd like to see that grow and uh, so we're building the sport I- I- in Israel, and, uh, and and that's that's one of my goals. The second goal is really to introduce the world to the Israel that I know and love. So as I said, um, Israel is often in the news, uh, you know, uh, usually in a negative context because you know talking about the conflict that we have, and people don't know our country. Um, so let me let me tell you. We have a 20% Arab Muslim minority, and those Israeli Arabs—they are involved in every aspect of Israeli life. So that includes doctors and nurses. You go to the hospital, your your doctor, your nurse, your orderly. They don't care what your ne- you know, what your background is. You don't care that you know a Muslim. You have a Muslim doctor. You're sick, and you just want to be treated. So it's beautiful. We have Israeli Arab policemen. You can get stopped and given a traffic ticket by uh, by an Israeli Arab. We have Israeli Arab, of course, members of the members of the uh, Parliament, which is called the Knesset, um, and and because we have a proportional representation system, they represent about twenty percent of the of the uh, of the parli- members of Parliament. We have Israeli Arab uh, members of the Supreme Court. We have Israeli Arabs. This is, this will surprise you. We have Israeli Arabs who are ambassadors for Israel in foreign countries. So this is not the Israel that is projected in the news. Um, We are are a uh, uh, a, a modern Western democratic country with uh, pluralistic um, uh, underpinnings. And this is the Israel that I moved to uh, four and a half years ago. And it's it's unknown. So the team acts kind of like an ambassador for the home country, and as a matter of fact, we are official ambassadors. By the way, my title when I moved there, I had new business cards printed with a title that reads "self-appointed ambassador at large for Israel." And so, so uh, I'm trying to show Israel to the to, to large audiences, and of course, in the case of the Giro, um, we had uh, about 900 million people watching. Israel uh, with beautiful aerial photography I hope you guys watched um, you know showing the full country uh, from Haifa in the north all the way to a in the south and a full day in the national capital of Jerusalem and I thought the pictures were just stunning and showing showing that you know showing off our country so that you know so Perez Center for Peace and Innovation which was founded by Nobel Peace Prize winner uh, former president the late president Shimon Perez uh, the president of Israel, and um, and he gave us each a certificate as a, an ambassador for peace, and we have it written on our jersey. Um, and so, yeah, we're we're trying to sh- to promote um, and build new bridges. You know, we we raced in the United Arab Emirates uh, just a few months ago um, when we were just shut down by COVID. The race with, the race uh, was canceled in the middle. Um, and uh, now Israel has just signed a peace pact with, with the United Arab Emirates. So we are creating bridges, building bridges, creating new friendships, um, showing uh, you know that through sport and good sportsmanship, um, we can have a people to people connection so that when our leaders do make peace like, like we just did with the United Arab Emirates, um, it's a warm peace and an acceptance of Israel in this region where we haven't been accepted since the, since the founding of the state. We haven't been uh, in 1948, we haven't been accepted by our neighbors and slowly now we have peace agreements with Egypt, Jordan, and the UAE. And we're hoping, we're hoping that that continues. Um, again, during the Giro, we had the team from Bahrain and, and from, um, from the UAE, uh, race and race in our country. When we, when we raced in, um, in the UAE, in Dubai, in Abu Dhabi, we have, you know, we have the name Israel emblazoned on the front of the Jersey and we race in the, in the country's national blue and white colors and people were cheering us. We had fans who were waiting in line for autographs from our team members. These are, you know, these are Arab kids from, from, uh, from the UAE and, uh, and wanting to take souvenir ons from us with the word Israel on it. So, you know, we're building bridges to, to 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 the world, and and of course in our neighborhood, but but to the to the wider world as well, and showing what I what I call the the face of what I call normal Israel, the real Israel that I live in every day, which is a safe country, and an open and tolerant uh, and diverse and beautiful country.
0: That's an interesting point you raise there. Like in in, in sport and politics, um, they've always typically mingled, obviously, but normally it comes from an athlete within a sport going and using their platform to speak out. In recent years we've seen when it goes the other way, there's, you know, this, this label of sports washing that that gets gets branded on a lot of this and, and you know, it's in varying levels and across varying sports. And I'm interested to know, first of all, like your what your belief the role of sport is within society in the greater world. And then also too how you navigate that situation, you know, and that label. So-
2: I'm going to address your your uh, the, the what you mentioned about sport washing because Israel is criticized for everything. So, we have the only gay pride parades in the Middle East and they accuse us of pink washing. Then we have we do sports and we engage other nations, they call it sport washing. Um we sent a a rocket ship. We are the fourth country. And I was, I was a partner in that project because my job is to promote Israel. I'm the self-appointed ambassador, by the way, as self-appointed, I can't be reassigned or fired. So, uh, you know, and I don't, (laughs) I don't report to anybody. Um, So this is, I'm doing it strictly on my own. And so I was a partner in the mission to, uh, to send a a spacecraft to the moon. We were the fourth uh, country to land on the moon after the three uh, superpowers The Soviet Union, the United States and China and tiny Israel population, nine million uh, sent sent a a lander to the moon. Sadly, we crashed, by the way. Uh, So we landed on the moon, but uh, we landed in a million pieces. We had a little navigation problem at the very, very end. So it's not 100 percent success, but we did land on the moon. So and what do they call that? What are they going to call that space washing? You know, so every good thing that we do cannot be called washing. Uh, we're just living our lives and trying to be like a normal country. You wouldn't, you wouldn't say, I mean, I, I, I hear your Aussie accent. You wouldn't accuse uh, Australia of sport washing when it engages the world. You wouldn't acu- accuse any other country of this kind of washing uh, when it engages with the world. We are an open co- country. We're an export-based economy. Uh, we do engage with the rest of the world we, we, uh, there's a lot of innovation going on by the way the cell phone was invented in Israel so what's that uh, technology washing you know we can't be accused of washing anytime we do anything good so I'm I just I dismiss the haters who come up with these who who coined these ridiculous phrases? Um, so we'll continue to pink wash and sport wash and all the rest of it. I don't care. Um, I'm happy to engage with the rest of the world. I'd like the world to see our our true nature. I love my adopted country. I didn't have to move there. I came from very beautiful Canada. By the way, I'm, I'm in I'm in Vancouver, Canada, visiting my daughter right now. And um, so I dismiss uh, those types of criticisms. And I, we're just going to keep doing our thing.
1: Well, I tell you one thing, Sylvan. You you know you you speak very well. You have a very admirable character. But one of the and, and you have some amazing goals that are not just related to on the bike success, which I think is is usually hugely val- valuable down the road. But in the past, one of the major issues that we've had with how do you say, um, individual benefactors, if you will, they seem to lose interest or the financial capability, and then the team can suddenly collapse. And you know, we've seen some amazing men and women in, in your situation. And then we've also had not so great benefactors, individual benefactors. But as far as your legacy, what do you want your legacy to be? Um, obviously, you have multiple prongs multiple goals but um, when you're a hundred years old and you have your last sip of champagne and your last piece of birthday cake what mark do you want to leave on the sport of cycling
2: yeah I think that's a very uh, good question I think it's a I think the way you phrased it uh, there have been people like me uh, who've come in you know wealthy people and decided to get all uh, heated up in the sport and they leave the sport as quickly as, as they came in. and um, So I think that's a very, very valid question. I would say that the fact that I am not just about cycling, that I am the self-appointed ambassador for the, for, for my home country, make, elevates this into a, a project that is bigger than cycling. And cycling, I believe, is the second most popular sport in the world. It happens to be my passion. But this isn't just a cycling project. But it, So being the second most popular sport in the world, uh, it's a great platform for me to show off all of those things that I was discussing earlier, this picture of normal Israel that I live in uh, on a day-to-day basis. I would say that my project has legs uh, to, to the extent that, that um, you know, unless peace breaks out everywhere in the world and we are totally, you know, we're totally accepted and embraced and loved, um, um, the project ha- has ha- And even then I have to say Even then Then, then I'll just be proud to, to, um, to be representing my country And as I said I was involved in, in uh, Spider Tech Which had, a, we had very very similar goals To my uh, Israel Startup Nation team As a platform To develop uh, the sport in Canada And provide a path for Canadians To reach, to reach the higher, highest level I will point out that we have four of Canada's six uh, World Tour riders on our team as well, with the addition of Michael Woods. Um, so it, my two nationalities are are definitely getting uh, favored here, and and so I'm hoping that you know that Canadians can also dream about being and and, and have this uh, joint connection between Israel and um, and Canada, and dream about uh, making it. And, and our development team, by the way, has three additional Canadians. Uh, in addition to, I think seven, seven or eight Israelis uh, on, our, on our in our development program, and by the way, one Aussie, um, Freddie Ovet, Freddie Ovet. You know Freddie? Yeah, I
0: Freddie's, don't know him personally, uh, but I know he's a and, good bike and, rider. And, and,
2: and what what a what a pedigree and background he he comes from. Uh,
1: yeah, um, his father was amazing.
2: Uh, listen, and he's amazing. He's he's a he is he could be. I'm hoping. Uh, and Freddie, if you're watching this, listen carefully. He could be the next Michael Woods. Michael Woods came from a running background, and he arrived in the sport of cycling at the age of 27. Look, look, look where he's come. And so, uh, if Freddie, if Freddie acquires uh, enough experience and um, is able to translate his physical gifts—and he has physical gifts—into into an effect being an effective racer, uh, he'll make it to the World Tour and, and on, a, on our team. And he's he's got a he's got a path that he knows about. So look, I, um, my project is bigger than just cycling. Uh, as you, as you pointed out, I think if I make it to a hundred and, uh, you know, and I've had a 40 year uh, run in this cycling thing, I'll leave it to my heirs to, to decide if they want, if they want to continue. But I think a 40 year run in, in cycling is, would, would be, uh, would be, would be, pretty respectable, especially in a ridiculous sport like ours, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to criticize our sport again, where teams change their names. So, Bobby, you started out with which team?
1: Oh, boy. I mean, uh, we'll say Motorola.
2: Okay. And what did Motorola become?
1: Uh, nothing. Um,
2: oh, it disappeared? D- Motorola yeah. didn't? Be- no. Motorola became, didn't it become the U.S. Postal Service?
1: Uh, a few years later I guess it did yeah. yes
2: okay and then and then that became Trek so we change our name according to who sponsors the team right which listen I, I mentioned the New York Yankees earlier or my Montreal Canadiens, or Manchester United or you know you know uh, the Dallas Cowboys teams keep their names for a hundred years okay and our stupid sport you keep changing the name so um Miguel Indurain won the Tour de France five times on his Bonesto team, which, if you follow the lineage, is today Movistar. So this is a ridiculous way to run a sport. And I'm – so Israel, I don't uh, – this is – you know, I'm not a sponsor, as I mentioned. The name Israel will always be our first name. Uh, I'd be happy to to, to hyphenate it, uh, bring in sponsors to have the, the second team naming right. So I don't mind if it's Israel – benesto <laughs> or israel whatever but israel will always be our brand name and nobody will nobody will um mistake who we are and what we're all about so if i have a 40 year run as you thank you thank you for 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 uh allowing me to uh, to reach my father's lofty lofty age um if i have a 40 year run it'll be pretty good and and uh, i think if we make it to 40 years it probably has uh, longevity even even beyond and And the brand will stay, and this is something I'd like to introduce into the sport, is that we don't change our names according to sponsors, but that that we create a branding situation so that, you know, people who love uh, certain teams, you know, can can invest, uh, emotionally invest in those teams and and get that loyalty that the New York Yankees and, and others have.
0: And before we let you go, mate, the Tour de France is coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, and and obviously the season's kicked off big time over the last week. We were discussing it before we we got on, uh, before we started recording. What does success for the rest of the year look like for you um, and and for the team? I mean, it sounds as though sports more about about more than just winning for you. Um, So yeah, I mean, really interested to hear knowing the season's going.
2: I'm going to tell you one of the reasons I want to build a winner is that winners get all the attention. So if I want to, put the spotlight on my Israel, the, the, the beautiful Israel that I'm trying to promote to the world. Um, of course, they'll they'll notice us a lot more if Chris Froome wins the Tour de France. So that's, you know, there's method to my madness, uh, you know, to be successful, to be noticed, um, uh, you need to win. So for this year, as I mentioned, we're really more of a, we're more of a pro-conti roster. We did uh, uh, inherit Uh, seven riders from Katusha. So we have ambitions, you know, uh, Niels Pollitt came second at Paris Roubaix last year. So he, he's a very uh, good classics uh, racer. We have, um, we we hope uh, maybe to steal a stage at the tour. We don't have grand tour ambitions this year. We don't, we don't really have a GC uh, player. Uh, uh, Dan Martin hurt himself at, at the Dauphiné, which Um, I'm not sure he'll be fit enough to race at the uh, and he was going to be our team leader this year at at, at the tour. Uh, I think his best finish uh, on GC was sixth. Um, But I think I think we we would have concentrated more on stage wins for Dan rather than uh, rather than a high GC placement. Uh, if he's fit and able to go, I, I, again, his preparation hasn't been great because of COVID. And now, you know, his tune-up race um, was interrupted. So he didn't really get the fitness boost from the Dauphiné that, that others have. Um, so we'll be happy to, um, to, uh, to grab a victory. We, we won 29 races last year as a, as a Pro Conti team. So, we're, you know, we win races. Um, we'll be happy to nab... Our very first world tour victory, uh, if that would be possible. And I think, I think we can. I think we have some horses that can do that. And uh, possibly to steal a stage at, at a grand tour, uh, which has never happened for our team. So th- I would say those are our two ambitions for, for this year. And of course, next year, the roster has been uh, greatly revamped. And, um, uh, and I'm, um, I'm, expecting, um, I'm expecting big things.
0: Mate, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Um, I also I want to mention too. It's nice to see that you've re-signed a lot of the uh, the original guys from the team.
2: Um,
0: yeah, from, I don't that like King. There from the beginning.
2: that's another thing about loyalty. Um, I love keeping our riders. It breaks my heart uh, when when we don't re-sign a rider. Um, I you know I we're investing in these guys. We're not only investing financially. We're investing uh, in terms of relationships and, and, and emotionally in, into our team. Uh, and I care about these guys. I care about our riders. I care about our staff. I hate to say goodbye to, to, um, to members of our team. So hopefully, you know, what, now that we will have adapted to the World Tour, hopefully we will have much more continuity uh, on the roster and there won't be this turbulence and, and change uh, from year to year. I really would like to keep some stability. You know, if we have a successful core, I'd like to keep that core and and see how far we can run with it.
1: Well, you picked a uh, fantastic leader uh, to, to run that core with Chris Froome. Um, I can't say enough things about him and um, wish you guys all the best of luck in this kind of truncated season. So, there's going to be a lot of exciting racing coming on in the next couple of weeks, especially with the Tour de France. So good luck there. Good luck in the Giro. Good luck in the Vuelta. And um, we'd love to have you on again. A couple of questions I would want to ask you about the the business model in cycling, but maybe we'll save that for another day.
2: So listen, I'd be delighted to come back and talk with you guys. It's been fun. I love talking cycling. Uh, I love talking about Israel. So I'm I'm open to it. And so... it. When you guys invite me back, I'll, I'll be happy to join.
1: Thank you, Sylvan.
2: Okay, guys, Peace have man. a nice day.
1: And that's it. That's all the time we have for this week. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And thanks again to Sylvan Adams from Israel Startup Nation cycling team for joining us. You can find all of our past episodes as well as a ton of other fantastic cycling journalism over at VeloNews.com. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, or whatever your favorite go-to podcast site may be. Just search for "Put Your Socks On" or Fizzo P Y S O. And please continue to show your support by subscribing. And please tell your friends about us.
0: You can reach out to us on social media: Fizzo Pod on Twitter at that is Gus and at Bobby on Instagram. Get in touch, suggestions, feedback. Uh, whatever you want really Um, and yeah until next week thank you so much for listening
1: thanks everyone stay safe stay sane stay calm and don't forget to put your socks on
0: live bike racing is back Flow Bikes is your home for live and on demand coverage of the biggest events of the year including the Giro d'Italia the Tour of Flanders Amstel Gold Race, tirreno Adriatico, and much, much more.
1: Subscribe today by going to flowbikes.com slash velonews. Additionally, Canadian viewers get access to the Tour de France, Vuelta a España, Criterium du Dauphiné, and the World Championships.
0: Subscribe today by going to flowbikes.com
1: slash velonews. That's F-L-O-B-I-K-E-S dot com forward slash velonews. And
0: when you purchase a FlowBike subscription, you'll get access to the entire Flow Sports network of over 25 different sports. Don't miss out. Sign up at flowbikes.com slash velonews. That's bikescom forward slash velonews.